All right, we are back. 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. 1 Corinthians 10. And uh, I am so thankful and grateful for the good day we've had. Um, Lord's been good to us. And I'm thankful for His mercy and grace. And um, I, I know we've been in some heavy things in 1 Corinthians, very heavy in some uh, regards and aspects. And um, we are going to uh, look in 1 Corinthians 10, and, and, not, and it's, I don't want to use the, the term lighten up, but it, it, does, it does lighten just a bit. And, um, and we're thankful for that. And so we have been talking about the Christian journey, uh, the Christian walk, what it means, what it entails, um, and, and some things and problems that were going on in Corinth. Now, as we uh, take this farther, um, Paul is going to teach us some things about drawing closer to Christ and maintaining victory in this journey. So, come to 1 Corinthians 10, and he begins, Moreover, brethren, so this is a reference back to the close of chapter 9. Chapter number 9 closed out with Paul saying he didn't want to be a castaway. He didn't want to be one that um, beateth against the air that he want, didn't want to run his race in vain. In other words, he wanted to be productive and do um, all that he could for Christ while he had the opportunity. Now, having said that, he transitions in this chapter in teaching us how to do so and in furthering what he's, he's speaking of and talking about. And... He starts out, so he says, Moreover, brethren, so he's referring back to chapter 9, and he says, I would not that you should be ignorant. He doesn't want uh, them to be without knowledge and understanding of these subjects, how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Now, let me stop right there real quickly and as we do, we, we take a pause and I want to address these verses. Everyone that's listening, or most of you that's listening, you, you know that we're we're in a series on Sunday morning on how to, uh, it, it's, it's well, we're in a series on Jesus and his relationships, how he handled his relationships, how he responded to people, how he addressed people, and how he dealt with them and, and issues. And the motive behind this is that we might draw closer to Christ. To know him is to love him. Well, I'm not sure how long we'll be in the series when I feel like we have exhausted his relationships and things. Uh, we'll, we'll begin to maybe bring it to a close and to move forward. <clears throat> However, what, what, what we're going to do... I guess as an addendum or as a uh, 
not just an addendum, but a part two to go into, or a B, let's call it a B, uh, part B, we will go into the Old Testament and show you the Old Testament examples and pictures of Jesus Christ. And you said, what? The Old Testament? Absolutely. I have, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I've been at this thing a long time, studied the Bible a long time, and I have learned more about Christ from the Old Testament pictures and analogies and typologies of Jesus than I have even in the four Gospels. That's the truth. I, you, the, the, the Word of God itself is about Jesus Christ. It's about who and what He is, what He's done, His manner, His love towards us. And in my life and in my studies, I have learned so much about Him from the Old Testament examples. Now, having said that, we're, we're going to go through those. And that's what Moses is doing here. He is referring to a reference that all of these Corinthian believers would know about. He's, he's referring to the Red Sea and the crossing of it, the meat and, and so forth. And as he's, he's done that, he um, is, is referring to the fact that although that was physical meat, that was physical water, those were physical necessities, it was a picture and a typology of Jesus Christ and what they would look, come to know about him upon his incarnation. So that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, look, when, when our fathers ate that meat and drank that water in the wilderness, it was a spiritual Christ. It was Jesus Christ in... in uh, incarnate, it was Jesus Christ, or pre-incarnate, it was Jesus Christ forerun, and it is Jesus Christ in typology. So that's what he's saying. So now, he moves from there, and he says, look, many of them fell a-lusting. They wanted the flesh of Egypt. If you recall, I've, I've taught that. They, they had been delivered. They had been given manna. They had been given blessings. And they began to desire the, the leeks and the garlic and the, and the meat and the flesh that they had in Egypt. And the Bible says that they fell in accordance to their own lusts as a result thereof. Now, he begins to give the warnings to us how to avoid the same pitfalls. Now these, verse 6, uh, or verse 5, but with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples. So the Old Testament happened, occurred, was recorded, was given to us as our examples of how to live, how not to live, what choices to make, how to respond, how to act. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things, as they also lusted. They wanted flesh. They wanted Egypt. They wanted the old life. And they got what they wanted, and they lost what they had. You've heard me teach that. 
And so, on the same token, verse 7, Neither be ye idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication, as some of them committed, fell in one day, three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted, and were destroyed of servants, serpents. Neither murmur, as ye were some murmured, were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. I see so much there that I want to talk about. One big thing is this. I, I see Paul lending great example, credence, weight, and validation to the Old Testament and not just the Old Testament, but the Old Testament pictures of Christ, not just the Old Testament pictures of Christ, but the Old Testament examples of the mistakes that the children of Israel made and how to uh, also prevent us from making those same mistakes, getting in the same traps and the same issues. Now, having said all of that, he, he gives us examples on how to bet, to not best, or to best not, um, uh, you know, face the same problems and go through the same issues and things and matters and circumstances. So, as we go to uh, this chapter, he, he refers to the lust, he refers to the fornication, he refers to the murmurings and the disputings, and he names these things that that they did that caused them to uh, live in defeat and to have problems and issues and, and so forth. Now, that being the case, um, that, that being the situation here, he gives us the example in, in this scenario of how to not commit the same issues and how to not die in our spiritual life as well. So, we go to verse 12. So, what, what are you saying? I, I'm saying I have, in my Christian journey, I have fell in love with the Old Testament, deeply in love with the Old Testament. And as I fell deeply in love with the Old Testament, I, I love the stories, I love the examples um, I love the depth, but I love the fact that all of these typologies and pictures point to Jesus Christ and draw us closer to him in even reading the Old Testament. I can take you to every book of the Old Testament and point you to pictures of Jesus Christ. Hosea the prophet. Hosea the prophet married a, a, a harlot. He married a whore. And... And, of course, she was unfaithful to him. You say, well, what's that there for? What's that got to do with it? Well, it pictures, in, in the context, the analogy is being made of Jesus or of, of God in Israel. However, it also pictures our lives when we've been bought with a price, we've been made his bride, and yet we can be unfaithful. And so... That is the beauty of what Paul's saying here is he lead, lends such depth to the Old Testament. So let's go now to verse number 12. 
Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, taketh heed, lest he fall. So Paul's warning against pride here. And I, I'm going to tell you, I, this is so true. When we think we're running good, that's probably the lowest and the farthest away from Christ that we can possibly be. When we feel like we're dragging bottom, we need help, we need hope, we need anything to strengthen us. And we're looking to Jesus for everything, that's when we're running the best. That's where when we're running the strongest. So, just keep those things in mind. Let's move forward. Um he says here in verse 12, 13, There hath no temptation taken you such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye are able to bear it. Okay, let's, let's address something. Anybody ever heard, He ain't going to put more on you than you can t- stand? You ever heard that? It's not in the Bible. Sounds good. Folks that say it usually have never even read the Bible, but let's move forward from that. If they were referring to a verse, they would be referring to verse 13. But I can tell you this. I can't count the times that God's put more on me than I could stand. Millions of times, it seems like. But you know what? When I can't withstand it, that's when he takes over. So yeah, he'll give you more than you can stand. Verse 13, here's what it says. There hath no temptation taken you such as common to man. God is faithful, thank God he is, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. He says, this is speaking of temptations. He will not allow you to be tempted to the degree that you can't get out of it and make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Joseph was a great example of this. Day after day, he was tempted with this this wife of, of Pharaoh to come with come in with her. And yet God always provided a way of escape. God will provide you a way out, a way of escape. Verse 14, Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. So stay away from idolatry, and idolatry won't be a problem. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ. The bread which we break is it not the communion of the body of Christ. For we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. Behold Israel after the flesh are not that which eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar. What say I then? that the idol is anything or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is in anything. But I say that which that things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils and not to God. And I would that ye should have fellowship with devils. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of the devils. Ye cannot be partaker of the Lord's table and of the table of the devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? So... Again, we see a reference to uh, taking communion uh, in in an open state of sin. 
okay? Not to be called sinlessly perfect by no means. None of us are, but to just live in complete vileness and, and going and just, just completely looking over cavalierly at the body and the, the flesh of Jesus Christ. And God is, is adamant that that is wrong. Now he goes on. And and he shifts gears as fast as he, he went in one direction. He shifts and goes into another direction. And he, he goes back to... And that, that's where Paul's perfect balance is. Paul has a perfect, perfect balance in regards to the fact that he can be very strict, it seems. He can put the hammer down. He can uh, be tough. And then transition from there. And after he transitions from there, he moves into complete liberty and grace and leniency, if you please. And so as he does this, he now transitions. And here's what he says before any of y'all say, I'm bringing you under the law. Before any of y'all say I'm being too tough, too tight, too strict, here's what he says in verse 23. All things are lawful for me. See that? Everything's lawful for me. I can do it all. I can do what I want. It's like I've told you so many times. We do what we want. It's a matter of what we want. Verse 23, but all things are not expedient that means good, proper, right. He says, so look, every, it's not a law issue. It's not an issue of me being brought under the law and Jesus, you know, dealing with me with, with the matter of the law. He's, he's simply saying all things are not expedient. They're not right. They're not proper. It's not the best thing for me. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So, I can do these things, but it might not be something that would edify Jesus. Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Whatsoever is sold in the sh in the shambles that eat, asking no question for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. If any of them that believe not be it, go ye to a feast, and ye be disposed to go." Whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showed it, and for conscience' sake, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. You see what he's saying again. He's going back to this eating meat that had been sacrificed to idols. He said, Look, God's give us all meat. Thank God and move on, man. Now, if you got a problem with it, I I won't do it around you. I won't offend you. I won't hurt you. I, I just want peace with you so we can win people to Jesus. And, you know, that's what that's people look at Paul as so many different ways and, and uh, so many different, you know, responses that he would give. Paul was extremely common sense. Paul believed very heavily in good, solid, common sense living and teaching. Balanced. Fair and balanced, to put it like that. He is saying, look, I, I can do just about anything I want to do. All things are lawful for me, but everything's not a good idea for me to do. 
And so I, let, let's do this. Let's let's keep it in a matter that I don't offend my brother and and do it right, do things right, and try to keep the relationship intact as best as I possibly can so I don't hurt someone else. That's That's Paul's objective. That's his desire. And that's where he's coming from in these matters. And you know, I, I know, and some of you did, come from very, a very strict sect of Christianity, a very strict sect of, of you know, baptistry, being a Baptist. Some, some did, some didn't. And it's, it's got as many problems as the very lenient and loose and liberal end. And I, but you know, what's funny is, is I've got, I've got folks that maybe lean more liberal than, than I, many, who I love and I'm friends with, and they'll say, you know, he's, he's uh, too conservative, too strict, too whatever. But then on the other hand, I've got folks that, and I'm talking about spiritually and biblically, then I've got folks that lean far right of me and harsh and, and, um, and strict, and they would say, you know, he's too lenient. And to be quite frank with you, that's what they were saying of Paul. That's exactly what they were saying of Paul. The libertines were saying, you're too harsh. The, the tougher group, the, the more harsh, the more strict, the law, the legalists, they were saying, you're too liberal. And Paul is saying, look, we're looking at this from the perspective of Jesus, what's best for him and his glory, and what's best for us and the cause of Christ and us performing it. That's what he's saying here. Verse 27, If any, any of them that believe not bid you to a feast, you be disposed to go. Whatsoever is set before you eat, asking no question for conscience' sake. But if any man say unto you, This is offered in sacrifice unto idols, eat not for his sake that showeth, showed it, and for conscience sake, for the, earth, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Conscience, I say, not thine own, but of the other. For why is my liberty judged of another man's conscience? For if I by grace be a partaker, why am I evil spoken of for that which I give thanks? Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. So... A good litmus test is before you do it, say, can God get any glory whatsoever with what I'm about to possibly do, with what I'm about to say, with what I'm about to eat, with how I'm about to act? Can God get glory out of it? There's your good litmus test. Give none offense neither to the Jews nor to the Gentiles nor to the church of God. Don't offend any of them. Don't worry about offending the Jews. Don't worry about don't worry about offend or don't offend any of them. Don't just put one uh, one weight too much heaviness in one group. Don't offend any. Walk with God. Live for Jesus. That's what he's getting at. That's what he's saying. Okay, let's let's move on. One verse. Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. Do you see Paul's objective there? Paul's objective is that men be saved. He's saying, I don't want to be too far either way. I don't want to be a libertine. 
Now, I don't want to be a legalist. I want to be someone with common Bible sense and a biblical viewpoint. And I don't want to hurt anyone to the degree that I might be able to be a benefit, a blessing, and win people to Jesus. That's my desire. It's my desire for us, for you, for our lives, for our walk with God. And I hope you've enjoyed 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I will hopefully be seeing you in person Bible study on Wednesday night. Good night. God bless. And I love you.